0: Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart podcast, episode number 30. I'm your host, Derek Moore, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about real returns, real versus nominal returns, and the importance of letting your money grow and increasing your purchasing power. You know, I get a lot of questions about this, and I've mentioned it here and there about inflation-adjusted returns and how to do it. And we've also talked about using a simple average versus a geometric average, but the the question often, you know, I've gotten a few people reach out to me and say, OK, how do you do it? And what does this mean with regards to bonds? And what does this mean historically with regards to gold? I thought gold was something that's really good to hold and is a hedge against inflation. Wouldn't that be the best thing to own? So without further ado, let's just kind of get into it. So when we talk about a real return, the term real connotates or you know means that your real return after adjusting for inflation. And so before we get into anything else, just the mechanics behind it. Let's say that if you made 5% in a given year, and that is what's called your nominal return. So that's not adjusted for anything, just you had a return on your investments of 5% plus 5% for the year. What does that mean? Did your money grow at 5%? Well, sort of. And what you've got to really do to see if your money actually kept up with inflation or how much more purchasing power that you achieved, you would need to take the nominal return minus the inflation rate. And as I always say, you know, the back of the napkin calculation, back of the envelope is you do 5% minus 2%, and you wind up with 3%. The actual formula is a little bit different, and depending upon the difference in returns and some other things, it could uh, gap to a little more. But if you want to be correct on this, the formula is 1 plus the nominal rate divided by 1 plus the inflation rate. And you take that result, and then you minus it by 1. And so when we say 1 plus the nominal, let's use our example of the 5% nominal return and 2% inflation. What you're doing is you're taking 1 plus the nominal. 5% in the decimal form is 0.05. So you would take 1 plus 0.05, which is 1.05. You do the same thing for the inflation rate. 1 plus 0.02 is 1.02. So 1.05 divided by 1.02, you get 0.0294. Or you turn that into a percentage. Of course, that's 2.94%. And so in that case, if you had a 5% nominal return and a 2% inflation rate, you would say, "Okay, my real return, meaning real adjusted for after inflation, was a gain of 2.94%. And that's the amount of gain or really how how much you increased your purchasing power or the value of the, the purchasing power of your assets. And so- This is a really important concept, and I've got questions on it, because it it really speaks to the fact, um, well, it it gets into a couple different areas, especially with with bond yields, where they are right now. But this has been one of the challenges. And with the Federal Reserve keeping rates really low post-2008, we had rates near zero. And on a real basis, we had negative real rates, meaning you take the nominal interest rate. Uh, you know the, the Federal Reserve sets, minus your inflation rate, we've had negative real rates, not only in the US, but around the world. And so those people who are savers and keeping money, let's say, in a checking account or a savings account, not earning very much, what's happening is they're losing year after year purchasing power, because after inflation, you've got a negative real return. Now, things are a little bit different now. The Fed has raised rates. But let's be honest, in many people's savings and checking accounts, you're only getting a small, minimal amount of interest, and it may or may not actually exceed the rate of inflation. And this has been those critical of the Fed. One of the things they point to is people that have, let's say, a lot of assets or wealth, they can spread it around, diversify, use strategies with hedges in it. But those who you know don't have as much money in the bank, living a little more paycheck to paycheck as that money is sitting there, they're earning little or no real return. In fact, sometimes it's negative. So when we talk about nominal returns versus uh, real returns, the real return is after you adjust for inflation, and the nominal return is not adjusted for inflation. All right. Now, this actually brings us to kind of an interesting point, too. I got a lot of questions. We did an episode Where we got into, it wasn't the whole episode, but we actually got into just a little bit more about returns. Uh, So let me cover that. And I'll talk about not only the real return, nominal return, but also the idea of a simple average or a geometric average and what all that means. And then later, I'll just give you some figures. I ran some numbers on gold from 1951 to 2018 and just taking a look at the real return and the real geometric return. And that will make sense in a second. Okay, so one of the big points of confusion that uh, I got some follow-up questions on was, Derek, you know, you've talked about this idea of compounded returns or compounded annual growth rate. Could you break that down a little bit more? Okay, the example I really like to use is an example where let's say that in a given year, an investor is going to lose, uh, you know, 50%. Okay, remember 2008, the S&P at one point was down close to 55%. And I've always talked about the value of taking smaller losses and about using hedging, hedging strategies, which put a floor in portfolios. So they shouldn't get down that far. And the less you lose the more that you can potentially make on the rebound, and the less you lose, the less you need to make on a rebound. And so let's go through an example. Let's say somebody had a million dollars and they lose 50%. Not a great year, right? And so if they lose 50% on a million dollars, what do they wind up with? Well, they wind up with $500,000. They've lost 50%. If in the next year, the gain in that year is 50%, well, how much do they have? Not a million, not a million. Why? Because the 50% gain is now on less assets. There's only $500,000 in the account after losing 50% from the million. And so making 50% on 500000 well, that would mean the account balance goes to $750,000. On a point-to-point basis, meaning you start out with a million, you now have seven hundred fifty dollars at the end of year two. Just on a raw number, that person's still down 25%. But here's where it gets a little bit interesting. Let's say that you did a simple average of the returns. You took negative 50% and positive 50%. You take the two, you divide by two, you actually get a simple average of 0%. You say, wait a second, my average return is 0%. No, 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 I'm still down 25%. That can't be right. Well, this is where the difference between a what we call a simple average and a geometric average starts to matter. And so our simple average is 0%. Not a true reflection of what somebody may have encountered. And so a better, more accurate way is to kind of take into account not only compounding, uh, but also the real experience. And for that it's called a geometric mean or a geometric average. And the way I, I always explain this is a geometric average really is more representative of what somebody who actually experienced the returns um, would, would be on an annualized basis. So if we take that same uh, result, the, positive, uh, the negative 50% and then the positive 50%, and you do what's called a geometric mean. You can do this in Excel, and for anybody who uses Excel, you just use equal sum product parentheses geo mean, and then you use the cells that you uh, uh, you've got the returns in. You add plus one, and then you close parentheses, and you do minus one. The geometric return in that case is negative thirteen point four percent. Simple, simple average was 0%. Geometric average or return is negative 13.4%, which on an annualized basis is more representative in this instance of what that person would have experienced. And so that's not accounting for inflation. And so if we wanted to account for inflation, we'd have to go ahead and on each of those annual returns do the 1 plus the nominal divided by 1 plus inflation minus one, uh, and then get that number then do a geometric average on that. So it starts to get a little bit a little bit more involved, but the thing I want you to take away from what I'm talking about is well, there's really three main things. Number one is a nominal return is simply the return that somebody experienced, let's say if it's in a year, what was the nominal return? The real return is after you adjust out for inflation. A simple average just adds up all the different Let's say if you're using annual returns and you got 20 years of returns, you add them all up, you divide by 20 in that case, right? And that's your simple average. Your geometric average is going to be more representative of more like a compounded annual growth rate. Um, And that accounts for if you lose and then you make money on the reduced balance, or if you make money and then you make money again, you've got a higher balance. That's a little bit more representative of what you're actually going to go through. So a couple weeks ago, we did a, an episode, and I've done stuff before on inflation and purchasing power. So I'll link to all those episodes in the show notes. And I'll, of course, link to anything that I think is important or useful for everybody to uh, to take a look at. But one of the, the things we did in an episode called the myths of the 60-40 portfolio is we went over some of the things that people a lot of times point to. To hedge with, and so you know when you think about um, you think about hedging, right? You think about okay, well, the way that uh, traditional portfolios were set up, and we did this on the myths of the uh, the 60, 40 portfolio. Traditionally, it's been okay. Well, let's say we did sixty percent in stocks, we did sixty percent. I'm sorry, forty percent in bonds, and the idea is that you know stocks when they uh, they're more volatile, and then you have bonds that are less volatile, less return in bonds historically on average, uh, but they potentially might increase or at least not fall as much as let's say a uh, uh, you know a pure one hundred percent stock portfolio. And so we we kind of talked about how the sixty forty portfolio nowadays it, it's a little bit different, and the reason why it's so different nowadays, you know, in, in my opinion is simply because uh, you know you've got bond yields which are so so low. And so we talked about the 60 40 portfolio and one of the things people say okay well you could why not go with the bonds and we talked about how bonds are very very low. Now think about it this way the 10 year bond today the yield was about 2.24%, you know inflation isn't that high uh, but when you do, let's say you earn 2.2% on a 10-year bond this year, and you did that for each of the next 10 years, and you did the inflation adjustment, your real return is almost nothing. And so that's one of the challenges with bonds, and especially bond yields being so low. We covered that in that 60-40 myth episode. And we also talked about the risk to the, the downside should interest rates spike, because with low coupon yields, bonds are much more leveraged interest rates. But one of the other things people said, well, why don't you just do a portfolio that had stocks and it had, uh, you know, some bonds maybe, but gold, why don't we have gold and that will be a good hedge? Well, historically, you know, gold, uh, people point to it, but gold really had these two, you know, and and I pulled data back from 1950 or 51. Um, That's what I could pull without, you know, paying for a lot more data or, or I couldn't find it but I just ran it. Um, I found uh, gold from 1951 through 2018. And you had, you know, late 60s into the mid 70s, and then another thrust forward from, I would say, you know, 77 to uh, to 81 or so. And that period is when you had that really, I'm not going to call it hyperinflation, but let's be honest, I mean, the the 10-year bond was yielding over 15% in 1981. But what's interesting is, you had that period, um, and then you had gold sort of, uh, you know, right around 1980, crest uh, its highest point, and then it really, on a point-to-point basis, it didn't break even. If you bought it at the high there, you didn't break even until around uh, well, I don't know 2012-ish or so, and so that's that's what 32 years of and this is on a real basis, so adjusting for inflation. This is uh, uh, if you look at the growth of, let's say, you know, your assets. If you bought it in 1980, you had no real return uh, to speak of for you know quite a number of years. And the other thing I did was I took a I took the results in gold and and I looked 51 to 2008, and I said, Well, what's the what's the real annualized return? The simple. Average annual return for gold, and it was 3.64%. Again, 51 to uh, to 2018, and you know I'd say take this as unofficial because uh, um, you know it's it's. Uh, I just ran some quick numbers here. During that same time, the real return on the S and P 500 total returns so that includes dividends. Of course, gold doesn't pay a dividend. That simple average was 8.47% on an annualized basis. And so quite a bit more um, from stocks. And then I ran that same number, and I did the real geometric return, the annual average return, 1951 to 2018, or through 2018. And it was only 1.84%, being the real, after-inflation, geometric average annual return, 1951. So the return you get in 51 all the way through the return you get in 2018. And it was about 1.84% average annualized real return, which isn't much. It isn't much. And so one of the challenges that I bring up, you know, a lot of people hold gold, but it doesn't pay a dividend. And it also, on a real return basis, you've had periods where it had negative real, you know, returns uh, for many, many years, you know, on a a point-to-point basis. And so people look at gold they think you know it's a good hedge against inflation but I bring this up because I think you know a lot of times gold is thrown out there as a, a panacea or a uh, I don't know if that's the right word but a, a cure-all for a portfolio And I just like to bring up the numbers and what you see is it may not have provided as much real returns as people think and remember that in inflationary periods such as the late 70s, Although you had these, um, gold has some volatility and some upside volatility, some downside volatility, but when inflation's high, you know, to get a real return, you've got to exceed the inflation rate before you get a real return on your money. A couple other things on this, you know, a lot of times when we look at investment returns, uh, you know, you might only see the nominal rate, you might see... Uh, a geometric or a compounded annual growth rate, uh, but it's less common to see real return numbers. And uh, I think Jeremy Siegel, I'll, I'll link to his book uh, "Stocks for the Long Run." He did work where he looked at I don't know one hundred or two hundred years, but he did returns on a number of asset classes on a real basis, and real geometric basis. And I thought it was quite interesting. Of course, his uh, his outcome was he said, "Look, I mean, stocks are." over the long term on a real basis compared to other things, still the best real uh, return over time. But here's here's the thing. you know, When you think about hedging and we think about gold and you think about other portfolios or a 60-40, these real returns matter. Because in the end, if you're not growing your assets and your money uh, and not growing your purchasing power, what happens is uh, you can buy less in the future. A quick thing, too, that's kind of neat, Uh, I'll teach you a little trick. Uh, Maybe I'll put a a picture of, uh, you know, your iPhone calculator or your Android calculator. But if you go and you pick up your phone, I'll show you a little trick to figure out if you know the price of something today and you want to figure out or try and understand what the price of something will be uh, in a given number of years. And if you have what you think, the price will go up. You can actually do it on your calculator. And here's the neat trick if you turn your calculator to the side, it actually opens up some more buttons. And if you want to know the uh, the real, let's say, I'm sorry, the the price of something. So let's say something today costs $1,000. And you want to uh, know what the price of that will be in, I don't know, 20 years, right? Well, what you can do is if you, I'll give you an example. Let's say something's $1,000 and you think prices on this item or whatever it is are going to go up 2% a year. What you can do is, remember that little trick, the one plus the interest rate? So if you think things are going to go up 2%, then you think they're going to go up 1.02, okay? So one plus the interest rate, the decimal is 1.02. So if you use your calculator, let's say you take 1,000, you do times 1.02 and don't hit enter yet. And then look on the left hand side. There should be a button that says X with the Y, X of Y with a Y kind of in the exponent field. Uh, what you can do is you can uh, choose that and then hit the number of years. So let's say I want to do 10 years. And if I do that, I find out if something that's $1,000. It goes up 2% a year, and that's assuming, you know, straight line compounding, right? Um, In 10 years, it would be $1,219 rounded. So I'll tell you how to do that again. It's a little trick. You can take 1,000, let's say, or whatever the the cost of the item times. One plus the interest rate, if it's 2%, it's 1.02. And then you hit that X of Y. Sometimes it's Y of X. And then the number of years in the future, That's you're putting in an exponent. Hit equal, and that's going to tell you if you compound something or increase it by a number, um, what it will be worth. Uh, now, by the way, uh, it's it's. Uh, I'll call this a back of the napkin, but you can also do this. Let's say you have a, a, a bunch of uh, brokerage accounts or assets, and you add up everything, and you want to see, hey, you know, if I get X percent a year over the next twenty years, you can take the the number that's in your uh, brokerage account or whatever wherever your accounts are, uh, Times, one plus the interest rate that you expect. Uh, use that x of y and then let's say in 20 years, and you can kind of see what a compounded balance would be. And that's really one of the more powerful things about investing is the the idea of compounding. Now, I will I just talked to you about simple averages and geometric averages. You know that assumes that you're going to get a straight line across. but if you want a good idea, that's kind of one of the ways to do it. Look, uh, we're going to call it Good for Here. I wanted to, I'll call this an episode to, this was a catch-up episode, kind of go over a couple things that we've covered. And people said, hey, you know, I I get what you're saying. Could you give us a little more specifics? And again, this just goes to the point of why hedging is so important and so powerful, because the idea of getting the majority of the upside in a market, uh, but then materially stopping the downside with a good hedging strategy and we hedge using options, uh, you can really, you know, there's a lot of benefits to that. Um, And it's also a benefit of growing the assets and your purchasing power to make sure that you're earning more than inflation. And I think right now, given where bond yields are, uh, that has a, on a real return basis, it starts to get a little challenging. All right, folks, as always, uh, we'll be back next week. If you have topics that you'd like to see us cover, me cover, or me and uh, one of my uh, regular guests, Jay Pestricelli, please uh, contact me, reach out to me, uh, razorwealth.com. And also, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about hedging or how that could help you uh, with your wealth and assets, uh, also give me a reach out to me as well. All right, folks, hope everyone has a good weekend and a good week, and we'll talk to you soon.